0: Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Poolside podcast. We like to talk all things in the world of sports, books, pastoral life, leadership, comedy. We like to talk movies, but we really haven't had a chance to do it until today. Today, we've been working at this for, I want to say it's been a year, but I don't think it's been quite that long, but I've been working with Probably a great woman. I'm guessing I'm going to hear from in a minute from our guest, Lavette Stallings, who people know her husband, TC, who's in movie world, got started with Courageous, with the Kendrick brothers, has been off and running, doing a lot since then. But uh, anyway, we'll get into more of that and his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, which I know a little bit about. And uh, welcome, TC Stallings.
1: Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: And again, we'll just say this real quick. People can't see this since this is recorded, but I can see it on a video. You get to use all things Minnesota Twins, Twin Cities with a hat on, that uh, the Twins are trying to be like you and make, make a logo that makes you look really good with a hat on, right?
1: <laughs> it's fantastic. It's, for, for God, that's not a baseball fan. I certainly have benefited from the Minnesota Twins choice of a logo. Yeah, And I uh, <laughs> go to that airport and just rack up at the hat store man the t and the c so you're not the first person that don't catch that right away a lot of people i've gotten the minnesota twins question a lot
0: well i'm embarrassed by it because i should have known that i mean i i usually (laughs) pick up on things like that but you just had me because like i said that's my favorite baseball team i was a huge kirby Puckett fan Kent herbeck rod carew some others so you don't really follow them or follow baseball but do you have a favorite minnesota twin
1: no, I don't, I don't know any of them. Wow. How old are you <laughs> again? Little, it's 45. 45. Yeah, Kirby Puckett it's, could be it, on your list. Yeah, it's literally just, I mean, you know, I'm. it's, pro, it's great players in all sports, you yeah. know, but if you're not a fan of the sport, <laughs> you're not going, you know, and, and I am familiar with Kirby Puckett. I didn't know he was a Minnesota twin. Okay. You know, well, so. let's
0: make that your official answer. Now, when anybody asks you, let just say Kirby Puckett.
1: I'll be like, I don't watch baseball. He climbed, <laughs> he used to make those great catches,
0: climbing up the wall in center field. So you can't yeah. go wrong if you say Kirby and Puck. He was the first person, this is interesting. First person in Major League Baseball to get $3 million a year.
1: That is interesting. Yeah. Funny, yeah.
0: funny now, that's like uh five games for some of those players, but uh
1: right. Yeah, I'm like, that's it's a long way off from what it is now. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so TC, let's get into it. Tell us your like three minute testimony. How did you come to Jesus?
1: man you know what i even cut you shorter than that because i i can't even i couldn't even begin to try to even tell it all to interview interview for itself but i can sum it up by saying my belief came early as a kid in church you know you like grow up in church and then around like five six seven years old you kind of really know what you're doing at least in terms of i believe in in a in a, in a big god i can't see him and everything but from what i'm taught i believe and i believe and you start there but as far as becoming a Christ follower, which is really, really different, it's a whole other level of knowing what you're doing. That came in my college years, around my sophomore year of college. Up until then, I just had a really, really, really solid belief in God. Um, you know, fearing God and and kind of doing the habits that you do with reading the Bible, and you know, occasionally, by the way, not even all the time, and um, Just, you know, always praying when you need something. And it's just this acknowledgement that he's there. But that came early. I got baptized and I'm like seven years old and stuff and just always stayed in church my entire childhood. But I was just going through the motions and doing what my my mama told me to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. But my sophomore year in college, through a series of events after a very in-depth Bible study and just the way the Lord was working through my life at that time in college. My sophomore year, I became a straight up committed Christ follower.
0: And where did you go to college?
1: Uh, University of Louisville.
0: That's right. I knew that. Yeah, Louisville Cardinals. I, we had a previous Yeah, we had a previous Cardinal honor, Billy Thompson, who played on those cha- a championship team back in uh 86.
1: Basketball, yeah.
0: Yeah. Pastor now in uh Florida. And uh so yeah, you're our you're you're my first movie guy on here, but you're my second Louisville Cardinal.
1: There you go. So, there you go. not a, not, a, not always good to have a cardinal in your in your rotation. Yeah. Louisville Cardinal.
0: I went to basketball camp there back in 1984. Went Felton Spencer was there as a camper mm-hmm.
1: who ended up going on and go. being a
0: pretty significant player for Felt the
1: Cardinals. Spencer, yeah. Denny Crum, yeah. um, who just uh, passed away yeah. not too long ago. So, yeah, I'm sure you had a good time there, man.
0: I just had lunch with a couple guys who were at Southeast Christian back in the day. One was a senior hey, pastor, Dave Stone, and they were telling Dave me, Stone. they were talking about his funeral and said, Denny Crum's funeral all the players, I think there was like 40, 50 players that showed up, lined up the, the uh, exit out of the sanctuary. And just the words, uh, Junior Bridgman particularly, I guess, said some great things about Denny Crump. So did you – he would have been coaching still when you were there. Did you know any, many oh, basketball yeah, players? Yeah. Or
1: Yeah, yeah. We, um, we did a charity there where we had a red versus blue game. This is after I graduated and everything. Red versus blue. So former – uh, Louisville Cardinal football, basketball, whatever sport you play, as long as you play the sport, and uh, versus University of Kentucky former athletes mm. in a charity basketball game. And Denny Crum was—I posted this when he passed away. Denny Crum was uh, the coach of that team, so I had pictures with him. Wow. And so I was coached. You know, I can wow. say I got coached by Denny Crum. So it was—it uh, was really cool. It was really cool, and he definitely was around back in my playing days, and it was a part of some of those uh, moments. So. Um, so yeah, man, it was. Um, but it was nice to just see him, you know, live a a full life and for most most of it, do what he loved to do.
0: Yeah. So does that mean you're a Lamar fan? Do you cheer for Lamar Jackson?
1: Um uh, I'm, I'm behind all Cardinals, yeah. and uh, for 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 sure, he he would be, you know, one of the most accomplished ones right now. Yeah. And it's it's really fun watching play. I, 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 he's probably my favorite player right now to watch play. And just, and, and and even if he wasn't a Cardinal, it's just his, his style of game. You know, obviously it reminds everybody of Michael Vick. He used to watch, like yeah. watching him play. Maybe he he's a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch.
0: So you're staying young and good looking and athletic. That means you could, you could still do a biopic uh, and you're, you star as Lamar Jackson, right?
1: Man, <laughs> I, I don't know why I haven't. I always, we laugh about this. Um, <laughs> that would be the easiest role in the world for me as a play a professional football player I can even play a college uh, ball yeah. player right, right now so you know I it's funny we keep I keep hearing that a lot and I'm like watch it's gonna mess around and, and, and end up happening so definitely definitely staying in shape not necessarily just for that but yeah. um I, I think there's some some superhero type stuff in my future as yeah well,
0: so well, we'll get into that uh,
1: yeah, I, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay looking the part for yeah. as long as I possibly can. <laughs> well, it's funny to hear you say that
0: because I saw you talking about no vacancy and all the work you had to do to get ready for that movie and work on lines and how you said things and you worked on your laugh and all that kind of stuff. And you're yeah. saying it would take no effort to do some football stuff, huh?
1: No. I, I literally, the only thing I do is learn, learn the script, yeah. learn the lines. I am football. You know what I mean? <laughs> this whole hell, this whole, this whole shelf by, next to me is filled with 23 years of football accomplishments. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I came out of the womb playing that game, man. You know, I think that I took a handoff coming out, man. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing this forever. Um, something I love and um, it's just uh It's brought me so many joy and friends and, you know, man, it's just taking me across the world. It's been great. It was fun. So someone came to
0: you tomorrow with a script and said, and you said, yes, I'm going to do that movie. Who would you want to play?
1: Who would I want to play? Um, I think I could do something like, uh, like if they did, and I don't know his story, but somebody like, I'm just looking at. Players that's kind of got my build or whatever but like the the Adrian Peterson story mm. you know something like that um any of any of those type of guys that had um I'm, I'm it's funny when you sit down and talk to these guys I'm guaranteeing you they got stories of how they came from wherever they came from and made it and if they ever wanted to tell certain guys stories uh like that I could somebody like him anybody who's built like him you know run that way and type of stuff. Yeah, I could, I could definitely.
0: He's a Christ follower, isn't he? Didn't Adrian Peterson come to Jesus?
1: Uh, man, you know it's funny when people ask me questions like that about uh, other folks. Yeah, who knows? I'm like, it, exactly. I'm like, unless you know him personally, yeah. uh, you know, people can say whatever they want, but until yeah. you know him, you don't know. You yeah. Know, so, but I just know he seems. Uh, when I watch him do interviews and you know, just just listen to how he talks and just seems like a cool guy. You yeah. Know, um, just, you seem like a cool guy, you know.
0: Well, let's stay on you. Let's not talk about who you would play. So I was thinking about this. If there was a title for a book for you, I thought of a famous book. I remember 20, 30 years ago, friends of mine reading this book, Keith Green, the famous Christian singer who was kind of a, a, a culture maker in, in music industry, had a book called No Compromise. And as I mm-hmm. read on, on you, watched some stuff with you, I thought, man, that TC is a guy who is a, a man about no Compromise. Would that be a good title for a book about you?
1: You know what's funny is I actually my the book I, that I did write was called Eyes Fixed. Yep. And um and but what you just said was going to be the original title for that book. Really? And only the only reason that I didn't choose it is because it's just it's something that I say all the time. People know I say it all the time. Uh I started a a uh a training group for actors that I call it's called Uncompromised. So everybody kind of knows that but I always hashtag just about everything I say with eyes fixed and a target next to it Mm -hmm. emoji and a lot of people literally did not know what that meant like why does he put that so that's the reason I chose to use eyes fixed as a title and I let my book flesh out what I meant by eyes fixed and so that's why I chose that title but uh but yeah man I mean people know me um being uncompromised and and just not letting anything come between me and my obedience to to the Lord is the hugest part of of my existence. And the day I stop doing that, you might as well take me out because yeah. my my the, I'm not living the right kind of life,
0: obviously, a lot of that is just your own personal growth, spiritual formation in Jesus. who's been influences in your life to make you that way? because I mean, I've seen you know again, like you said, you don't really know anybody's heart until you're really around them can experience them beyond a moment or you know, 45 minute podcast like that or whatever. But it just seems very clear to me, that was a common thread in everything I saw about you was people talking about this no flinching, passionate pursuit of Jesus that you're not taking a backseat and saying, Well, there's some gray area here. Where does that come from? Like, is that a family influence? Is that, you know, where is that beyond just work Holy Spirit's done in you?
1: It started off with when I first, and I talk, I talk about when I first learned what it truly meant to be a Christ follower, and that's just, you know, straight up from scripture, a Bible study, and just, you know, the Lord really puts in my heart, and then you start trying to implement what you've read, you start trying to apply it to your life, you start trying to do these things, and, and stay out of certain sins, and just do all that stuff, I found it so difficult at that point, when I'm like, man, this was so much easier when I didn't know what scripture was really asking of a committed Christ follower as like I was doing my thing. I thought I was here. I am trying to do it. I'm praying all the time. It's harder now. I'm just like, I don't think anybody lives like this. I, I think, I think people are so fake. This is, and that's kind of how I started thinking for a while. It's when you start seeing people that actually live it out mm-hmm. and you see that true Christians really exist. And Really, the first time I saw that in such a way that inspired me to go far, like I—I I have ran across a lot of different people. I mean, you mentioned people like Dave Stone. I actually went to that church. I volunteered oh, taught on. at that church. I did an actors uh, acting ministry uh, at that church. They, they used to do performances with kids and stuff, and I was a part of the cast at Southeast, so I knew Dave, Kyle Idleman, all those. And you see these guys, and you see them with the family. A uh, Bob Russell, who was oh. the first pastor, so you see these people, and so I'm—I've had good examples. But when you start me being an industry guy, when I got into the industry where it's a lot harder to, to really kind of, you know, your face is out in front and all of that, when you hear from another person that's in that type of position and you see them living it out, that's very inspiring. And it might throw you who I say was the one that I saw doing it because he's not an actor. He's not an entertainer or whatever. He's just someone that's extremely in the, in the, in the public eye. But uh, it was Francis Chan. Yep. You know, Francis Chan for me was someone when I was uh, just getting started and acting and, and really, really trying to hone in on my faith, it was seeing him. He, he was like one of the first people that I saw that I felt really just embodied living it out and make the living sacrifice and no compromise That's you know, when it comes to just the Bible says what it says and I believe it. And that inspired me. And from that point on, you know. I knew that it was possible to actually take the Bible seriously mm. and do the same thing, you know, so that's that was probably the biggest influence uh, in me and and um the cool thing about it is I've never met him, but someone reached out to him and, and let them know how I felt about him and wow. uh i I can't I think it was my 2017 I have to look, but I still have the text, uh he sent me a happy birthday wish wow. for my birthday, and that was really cool. But, uh, but, yeah, I'd say it was him. I'd say it was Francis.
0: That's interesting because, you know, as you said that, I I don't know that I would have thought of that myself. But, I, yeah, I see a Francis Chan thing in you. When he talks and he's got so many great illustrations, he uses the rope thing and he talks about, you know, 168 hours and a whole bunch of stuff. You do have a similar flavor that uh, I've always wondered a guy like Francis Chan. My personality probably is a little bit like this. But with you, does it make it tough sometimes for people to be – in relationships with you? Because just for the way you're trying to live your life and really live to a higher calling, that's got to make some people feel pretty uncomfortable. Like, hey, I'm willing to go somewhere you're willing to go, but I'm not going all in, TC.
1: 100%. And that's now that's where it's something that, that is developed that's unique to me. When you start talking about the, um, this is where the whole uncompromised thing comes from. Because when you start, I look at Francis as a guy that just, it's, it's just about like, you know, living it out, like truly, truly, truly living it out. So I start to do that. And it ain't because of Francis, it's because when you he just points you to the Bible and you see it's biblically true. It's biblically the right thing to do. It's what it is. So you start doing that, you know, because this is what Christians are supposed to do. And you start to see the Bible warns you that when you live the way Jesus told you to do, boy, you you are not going to be the 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 favorite person at the backyard barbecue. In fact, yep. you might not even get invited. Yep. And um, when I start seeing that happen in my career, uh, meaning where you don't get auditions, you don't you don't get invited, and and even more closer to home is friends that are mm. they 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 you see that they're not they they don't become they're not friends anymore uh, because you don't do the things that they do. Maybe they are Christians, but they don't want to take the Bible that seriously. You know, they want to be able to say a little something or do a little something in the privacy of their own home and all of that. But when you're where I'm at, you're like, hey, you know what? Did Jesus not enter that home as well? Mm. Is, Is he not listening to that music? Is he not watching what you're watching? Is he not, you know? You're not you're not ever alone. God's eyes are always on you. So I'm always trying to obey. And so when you when you take it that seriously and other people are not, you lose friends, you lose opportunities, you lose a lot. You know, but what you gain is just it's it's just so much more valuable, which is the favor of God. And I, I mean, that that right there is what keeps me going. But you're right. And you get left out of a lot, you know. Uh, but what does scripture say? Foxes have holes, birds have nests. The son of man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was telling them, telling it to people who said they wanted to follow him. He's letting them know, hey, this ain't, (laughs) this ain't no popularity context brother. It it gets worse here, but better up there, you know. And so that's that's the whole ball of wax, there, man. And it's it's what keeps me going.
0: See, I love the way you're talking because you're getting me really in tune, hopefully Holy Spirit wise, and I'm wanting to go off script and stay with this conversation. Let me ask you, in light of what you're saying, do you spend a lot of time thinking about heaven?
1: Oh, yeah. And I didn't. It's fun. That's a great question. I didn't at first. And the funny thing, I I wish I could turn the uh, the uh, camera here to see, Do this, it. Let me see my, it. My, my board over here. Well, let me see. I don't okay. want to mess up yeah. there. Okay. But if you, if you can see this board over there, can you see that? Okay. That board behind that light? Okay. I don't know if you can see it, but it says, what are you doing with your mist? Yep. And- you know, the Bible says life is but a miss, man. And um, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I asked myself a question. This is a good little while ago. I asked myself a question. I was like, if you found out that you were going to die in 30 days, guaranteed, of everything you're doing right now, how much of that would matter to you to yeah. the point to where you leave it just the same? You wouldn't change anything. There's no loose ends to tie up. There's no, and I'm like, if if you can't keep doing what you're doing right now, then you already, you're already out of pocket. You're already, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're wrong. You're, you, because you're going to make all these, and I'm talking about the changes are in relation to what you feel God will be wanting you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people do that when they find out, oh, this is it. And they start trying to tighten up things. And I started, and I'm like, from everything we see in scripture, life is but a mist. What are you doing with that mist of time that you don't know how long it is? It could be five minutes. It could be five days, five weeks, five years. You don't know. And you got a guaranteed meeting with Jesus when you die you know it's it's, it's one of those things of all the meetings you try to get you know the auditions or the job or they're not guaranteed the one guaranteed mm-hmm. encounter you have is judgment by Christ so I'm like I want to be prepared for that and so that started having me think eternally more often for that reason and the second reason is for everything that the bible says about heaven being what it's supposed to be what it is how great a place it is how that helps me focus on preparing myself for that mm. than worrying about what happens here. Yeah. And that fuels obedience. Cause that's when you, when you forget to think about that. Um, And you think about this right now as the end all be all the focus comes more about pleasuring yourself here versus making sure things are right after this. And that helped me to think about having a lot more. So recently over the last couple of years, man, I think about it. I live, I live life in light of heaven sure. versus comfort here.
0: I love how you said that. I mean, I, I'm going to paraphrase it, but you basically to eyes fixed, eyes gazed, eternal perspective, heaven uh, is the fuel for you to live the life you're trying to live now in obedience. Uh, hopefully that's a pretty good paraphrase, but that is, should be a great motivator. People. I love that sound bite.
1: Yeah, man, my eyes, when I talk about eyes fixed, man, is it's that. And the main thing is it, I, I take it that I take that straight from the scripture where Peter sees Jesus coming towards the boat. Peter says, can I come out to you? Jesus said, come on, I, you know, and that means if Jesus said, come on, that means you're going to make it. He's giving you every tool you got to get out and walk on the water, just like Jesus is walking on the water. He says, walk out to me. Peter starts doing it. He's doing just fine while he's looking at Jesus, looking at, the, just looking at Jesus, going. The moment he took his eyes off Jesus because the storms are coming, that's when everything fell apart. And that's what Satan tries to do, man, knock you off center, get you focused on everything but Jesus, whether it's entertainment, social media, uh, sex, drugs, just whatever, just to get your focus off Jesus. And that's when we start to sink in life. As long as you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, it's not to say storms won't come because the storms were still present, but they, they didn't drop Peter until he took his eyes off Jesus. So you can walk within the storm you can battle the storm you can fight all of that you can deal with it it's not to say you won't get beat up bump bruised but you won't sink you know uh, just keep your eyes fixed so for me anytime things on my left or my right try to just get me to whether there's do something wrong sin, um you know be unfaithful to my wife uh be unfaithful to god be unfaithful just whatever it is if i think jesus would he want me to do this would he want me to say this would he want me to and the answer always no. And the holy spirit starts to take over man and you feel you have the power to walk away from that stuff and uh, and that's how it works. And this does not constitute perfection. It's not anything like that. Uh, it, but it constitutes a heart that wants to obey. And for those times that you do fail, you fail because you fail fighting. Not you didn't fall. You know, just looking for sin and stuff like that. You know, and and that's the way I live. So my, my as long as I'm thinking Jesus, um, mm-hmm. that's what that's what holds me up. You know, and so that's what I would encourage people to do. Keep your eyes fixed on him, and uh, and just understand that Satan's number one trick, man, is to get you unfocused, and that's when you're weak, and that's when you fall.
0: You know, it's interesting. A good friend of mine who started actually the ministry I now do, the gathering, he started it nationally, and he talks about a disciple, disciple err, as someone who's a follower, a learner, and a reproducer. But from a definition, yeah. what does that look like daily? John Mark Comer says it's being with Jesus being like Jesus, and doing the things he did. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, man, that that definition of being a discipler, assuming it's it's got a preface that you're actually pouring into other people, sounds like you, TC, being with Jesus, being like Jesus, doing the things he did. Would that be a fair assessment of how you, li- you live your life?
1: That's the description of the 100% goal of why I'm here. Everything I read in Scripture shows me that that's, that is why you're here. Every gift that you have, every talent that you have is to fuel your ability to do those three things. There is no other purpose for living. It is to use all your gifts and talents to help people to know who Jesus is so that they can use their gifts and talents to help people to know who Jesus yeah. is. And it just keeps going and going and going until, until he ends this whole thing. You know, So that that's the essence of life. It's why when I get up in the morning, that's the first thing I do is I read and I do it. Me and my family have been going through the Bible from front to back for the last six years. That's what we do. We got this, we're, okay, it's downstairs. We, we do family Bible study. My Bible's downstairs. I was going to show you the little sheet we use, but it allows us to go through the Bible every single day for a whole year. And when we get to the end of the year, we just reset and we do it again. We started that six years ago and haven't stopped. Amen. And um, it's just, we want to hear from the Lord. We want to be guided, man. I was an athlete. Athletes, we always had a playbook. And uh, man, that's my playbook for life. The game is life the Bible is my playbook and I don't want to go into the game without knowing the mm-hmm. plays. So I can hear what the coach mm-hmm. has to say, you know, he's calling plays He calls yeah. them straight out of scripture, straight out of the Holy spirit. And, and you ain't praying, and you ain't reading the Bible. How are you going to be effective in the game? You know, you don't know the plays, you don't know the playbook, you ain't in connection with the coach. And uh, so that's, that's what I instill in my kids. And that's what we do. And, and we understand that there's, there's not a lot of people that want to put that kind of effort in, but I always laugh. And I say, On any job you have, you do the exact same thing. You learn that company manual, that company handbook, and you're trying to rise to the top and be the best. In any sport, it's the same thing. Why is it that when it comes to being a Christ follower, it's supposed to not take all of that? You hear people say, it don't take all, it don't take all that. And I'm just like, not from what I read in scripture. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. After all, well, there's nothing left. So you're supposed to empty the tank. When, when it comes to this stuff, man. I mean, that ain't me talking this. So I just, again, I didn't think people did it either. You know what I mean? But they do. I'm one of them. I know others who do it. And that's the church. That's the church, man. When Christ comes back, he's coming back from people. He ain't coming back from buildings. Yeah. Coming back from people.
0: I got a feel I'm going to have about 20 people call me after this when this podcast gets released and say, hey, when can I get TC to come preach at my church? Because you are on <laughs> fire. You're going. You got some stuff people need to hear. So I want to transition. I want to talk yeah. about two cities that I think are important to you that are important to me. The first, Drew Carey, if he said it, he would say Cleveland Rocks. <laughs> Second yeah. one, we've already talked about it a little bit. I have a deep passion for Louisville because I got some friends there. I've gotten to know some of those Southeast guys like Dave and uh Kurt Sodder, a good buddy of mine's there or whatever. Put a little bit of a spiritual lens and you've got Passion for both of those. You grew up in Cleveland and Bedford, went to school there. You played football and lived uh, a while as well in Louisville. Talk about those cities, what they mean to you, and maybe put a little spiritual lens on both cities.
1: Well, for me, um, so I grew up in the inner city of Cleveland, and uh, and then I, you know, it was, just, it was just rough. It was tough. Most of my memories of Cleveland, um, they're, they're not the fondest in terms of, you know, family life and, and all of that. I grew up without my father. I didn't meet him until I was 18 years old. Um, I was blessed with a stepfather when I was about nine, and um, and my mother was an only child because all my brothers and sisters were on my father's side. And by not meeting him, um, I didn't. I never met any of his brothers and sisters, so I'd had any aunts, any uncles, which means I didn't have any cousins. You know, so it was one of those things where my mother, you know, you, she makes good friends at church, and that becomes your aunt. So like, you know, and your uncle is her best friends. They're really friends. And so that's where I got my aunts and uncles and cousins from. And and so I was blessed in that way because these were great people and they became like the family, the extended family that that I never would have had because my mother was an only child. So that was that was Cleveland for me. It was it was it was not a lot of money. It was I was that typical, you know, urban family that you hear about where it's not a lot of money and it's a little violent and drugs and all that kind of stuff. And so for me. It was like all, all kids like me in those situations, for the most part, try to find a way out with something you can do. And uh, and that's where football came along for me. And my mother was a hard worker, so she uh, got us to the point where we can move up a little bit. And uh, so I, I moved to Warrensville for most of my school years. And then my last three years of high school, I moved to Bedford. So I was able to come become my best version of being a student and have my best shot was my, my last three years of uh, high school at Bedford. And, um, you know, I was playing football there and I graduated there. So Cleveland for me right now, it represents just where my family lives, my best friends. Love love the fact that Cleveland is where I was born. Um, but I can't help but the fact when you say Cleveland, it's healed scars would be mm. the first thing that comes up. But then also I say everything that I went through there, God repurposed it. Mm. Um, so he used all of that in preparing me for uh, much later levels in my life. And uh, Louisville is a place where I became a man, wow. um, you know, Louisville. I met my wife there in uh, my junior year in college. I got married my senior year. I had my daughter my senior year went through. Uh, I learned what persecution was just based on being on a football team mm-hmm. and, and, and becoming a, again, you mentioned before about relationships. When I first became a Christian, like, uh, well, I, I should say when I first became a, a true Christ follower. That was, like I said, my sophomore year in college. Those coaches knew a different kind of TC, a little bit looser. He said he was a Christian, but it's was a little looser. I got tight with that stuff my junior, senior year, and it rubbed coaches the wrong way. Wow. Probably one of the heaviest persecutions I ever got was from my own position coaches um, when I was in college. So, But I fought through that, and uh, there's a great story behind that. I, uh, there's a documentary, by the way. If you want to check it out, if you really want to be blown away, yeah. watch watch 24 Counter. The story behind the run on Amazon. Mm. I tell that whole story, and um, so again, I became a, a, my, a very strong Christ follower. I became a man. Um, I was on my own, and uh, made a lot of friends there. And I and I would say, uh, Louisville was probably the the city that first loved me. Wow. You know, I don't I don't think Cleveland knew how. Wow. Even though I had a I had a great church home. That was probably the best thing about Cleveland was my church home, okay. uh, Blessed Hope Missionary Baptist Church, where I first learned to really love church. And uh, but but Louisville was as a city, um, loved me. I, I guess it don't, I guess it helps when you scored a winning touchdown against UK and beat there
0: them. There you go. That's right. <laughs>
1: so, now was Bobby Petrino uh, yeah.
0: his first go around? Your coach, or who was the coach at Louisville when you were there?
1: Bobby the both the Bobby both Petrinos, their twins brothers or whatever, um, were my offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach okay the head coach was john l smith
0: oh yeah yeah
1: yeah yep and uh so that was the crew that we did a lot a lot of winning with we didn't we didn't lose very many games in that in that span we we really we were coming off a one in ten season when i first got there and and the the coach that brought me in was john uh ron cooper Okay. Uh, I love Coach Cooper. He brought me in, gave my scholarship, but they fired him as soon as I got there. Uh, and uh, John L. Smith came in, and and we went to bowl games and won conference championships, two conference championships, and uh, four bowl games. So we turned it around, and they are what they are now because of that stint yeah. right there. Of course, there were some people before us, like Johnny U. and yeah. you know, and all those guys. But I mean, Paul just Hornick. Yeah, yeah, of course, you know. But the recent. The recent that recent that that changed the game um, and helped put Louisville on the map and and man they've been rolling ever since and I'm I'm really super proud to be a part of that.
0: Were you guys in Conference USA or where were you at at that time?
1: Conference USA. Okay. Okay.
0: John L. Smith, where was he at before Louisville?
1: Utah State.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, you know Utah State came to us, uh, then left us for Michigan State and yeah, Michigan. There you go. Okay. Started bumping around a little bit. I
0: thought he was a coordinator at, at. Michigan State before he came to Louisville. But, yeah, okay, he went to Michigan State after that.
1: Yeah, okay. he went to Michigan State, took the head coaching job there.
0: There you go. Well, let's yeah. let's ask you this. So, the movie Courageous comes out. Your world has to get crazy radically different. I'm guessing spiritually and as far as career. you had, Football was behind you at this point. Uh, I won't get into all the details because I've heard you tell it in other podcasts about how you go into the movie industry. But how did, how did that just – radically probably somewhat seemingly overnight your life had to have changed put that through a spiritual lens and a career lens
1: you know it's funny things didn't change a whole lot for me with courageous the movie did amazing i mean and it changed for some other people um i had a very impactful role in that film but Mm -hmm. i wasn't the lead or anything like that but the the thing that changed for me big was probably just me personally like Wow, I actually did it. I mean, mm. I'm in a movie i'm I'm actually an actor. This is crazy, right? But my life pretty much stayed the same. I was still having to work and I wasn't it wasn't you know people recognized you a little bit, and it was cool and everything. But now, when the agent from from Hollywood saw the role and she called me, and this is some months later, she called me and told me if I was to to ever think about coming to California that she thinks I'm good enough to really kind of take my career off. Now that's when things got interesting. Yeah. Um. So it was that phone call. Uh, so technically you can say it was courageous, uh, but if I had ignored this phone call, which I almost did, cause I just didn't think it made no good sense at all. I straight up thought it was a devil. I was like, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way I do one film and I'm supposed to just end everything and, and, and pack up and sell my business and go to Hollywood. That's stupid. Or the more you pray and and you authenticate what's going on with the Lord, I saw that that's exactly what He wanted me to do, this stupid little thing. But if you pull off this stupid little thing, you're going to show people that you don't have to put your faith on the shelf, uh, become some kind of like dirty person and and start doing garbage and start cussing and just doing all these different things. And uh, to try and make it in the entertainment business, if God purposed for you to do it, you can do it his way and still succeed. That became the new goal. And um, I had no idea how it was going to work out. And I just said, I need to know that the Lord wants me to do it. If the Lord wants me to do it, then now I don't care how it's going to work out. But if I don't know if he wants me to do it, plus I don't know how it's going to work out, I'm too fearful for that. So through prayer and some validation, like just prayer and waiting and praying and praying and praying, he made it abundantly clear just by closing certain doors and opening others that he wanted me to go. And uh, I left the how up to him. And then we went out there and the rest is history. And it's this movie right here behind me <laughs> that pretty much changed the game because it became the number one movie in America. And I happen to be the lead actor in it. And that, that's when things got.
0: That, which one is that's not vote, No Vacancy? Is it No Vacancy? Which one's that?
1: No, that, this, this is War Room.
0: War Room. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So how, did, that's what, when th- how did that change? Tell, tell us about how War Room really lit things up and took that to the next level.
1: Well, the thing is, is I had been out in Hollywood three years. Um, at that point, I went out in twenty twelve, and it was twenty fifteen that uh, War Room goes number one. And in Hollywood, um, this is the entertainment capital, man. And if if a movie goes number one, it don't matter whether you believe in it, whether you like it, yep. or whatever. You're gonna have to report on it. So that is when I am, you know, I'm on all the talk shows, man. I'm on Entertainment Tonight. I'm on all this stuff. And um, it was like I felt like every other day I was on one of these Hollywood shows, Hollywood Today Live, everything. And I just, I just knew in my heart that everybody sitting up here, like I've never heard of this guy before in my life. Who is this dude? How did he do it? How did he? But all that, all my interviews, if you, and they're still out there if you want to YouTube or something sure. like that. But when you look at my interviews, you see the same guy that you're talking to right now mm. saying the same things. And the whole goal was to make it to that point where you've seen so many other actors that may have compromised their way to get there. You seeing a guy that, Hey man, I I walked it. Like I talked it and I got to a point where I was literally in the number one movie in America and looking at my trail of getting here, you find no compromise and you never see a step where I wasn't taking it with the Lord. And that's going to inspire other people uh, that want to walk that path that know that it can be done. It only takes one, you know, and, uh, so I, I happen to be a person that's able to say I did that, and that was the goal. And to watch Jesus work that out made all that compromise, uh, all that uncompromising over the last three years leading up to it, worth it. All the things I had to say no to, because I was on Hollywood. I was getting auditions for stuff that just was just it was just too much profanity, or or you got to like you know um, have sex scenes and stuff like that. And I'm not doing any of that. And that would just kill the mission. The mission is to is to show that I can honor Jesus and make it still. So I spent three years saying no, and uh, the Lord blessed me. Uh, The the one yes he said uh, yes to, I end up in the number one movie in America, Mm. and uh, it's it's, it's a blessing.
0: Well, and to add to that, you also are one that are very clear you're not going to kiss another woman. You go, if it's not my wife, Jesus would not be there. He would not approve of that. Let me ask you this. So as you're talking— I told you I did some homework on you, but this is more what I'm feeling in a moment for you. Is kind of a First Corinthians 11 one, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That mm-hmm. seems to epitomize you well. Several months ago, back in February, I was down near Louisville at Asbury. Was there a part, checking out the revival, and what God was doing there. Mm-hmm. If God were to bring about revival in your life, and I'm guessing what I'm hearing from you, TC, you pray for revival. Where might that take place in your life? Would that be... In the movie industry would that be just out of your family with stuff you're saying there because we need more people in hollywood clearly with the mindset and the attitude that you have what would revival look like do you think in your life if god said i'm bringing it and it's coming your way tc
1: um i think for me i don't know i don't know i don't necessarily know what it would look like because um i know what my goal is every day of my life is just live out to live out my god-given purpose. You know it's funny. Actually, I do know where it would come from. I think for me, if I was to see a revival, it would have nothing to do with the world. It would have more so to do with Christ followers. I think the bigger the bigger problem is not the world yeah. because the Bible tells you how the world is going to be. The world is going to be the world. There, the the world represents the job. The world represents the work, which is to the Great Commission. You know, you go, you find these people, you love these people, you teach them about Jesus, and then you live it out. Mm-hmm. The missing ingredient. For me, if you ask me, is the live it out part. We got a lot of talkers and social media has made it possible to do a lot of talking. Everybody's talking. Um, everybody's. But the living out part, that's where the, like I said, the Bible says the workers are few. If if you asked me where would I want to see revival, it would be in the workers. Yep. It, the, the More people that actually are committed to living it out being those um, Romans 2.16 kind of Christians. And I believe that scripture says that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, will judge every person's secret life. Mm -hmm. Like when we get more people fearing that scripture, like what are you doing behind closed doors? What are you doing when the blinds are closed? And I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about those who proclaim Christ. Let's let's have a spiritual boot camp where so-called Christians... Actually, be the church. They grow. They get stronger. Uh, they read the Bible more. They're familiar with it. They uh, they're living it out. They're they they're the reason that people want to know who Jesus is versus the reason that they walk away. I want to stop giving the world so much material to work mm. with. When it comes to the reason why they don't want to be a Christian, we focus on revival. We always think of sinners and people doing the wrong things in the nightclubs and the this and the that. And the I'm like, look, man, let's get some real believers. Let's get some true Christ followers that won't, um, that aren't embarrassing uh, the Word of God. That aren't not doing what the Bible says and living out, uh, being worthy of the calling. Basically, let's chill with the phony Christians and the fake ones and the habitual ones and the um, that. That's that's the, that would be it. And I'm not speaking from a place, again, uh, of any kind of perfection. It's just the bottom line that everything I just told you I don't want to see, that's what TC used to be. I know what it looks like. So I'm speaking from a place of experience. You know what I mean? So uh, the pre-Christ following TCs, I want to see more of them be enlightened the same way that I was and not by some you know, uh, dude or female saying some weird stuff, just enlightened by scripture and the Holy Spirit and the truth of it and just start living it out. So it's it's about the church and and people who claim christ getting more and more real every day then the the uh the harvest they'll they'll see the workers and uh and we'll get we'll get more people to know who he is and uh, and go from there. You
0: know, I love about what you're saying. I feel like there's such truth, such boldness, such David Platt had the book called Radical, such radical living it sounds like to you but there's mm-hmm. no hint of arrogance It feels very humble. It doesn't feel critical. It's just, again, living a life that's such that people are being called out to higher standards. So I have totally ditched this script. I am going to skip to the last question. We need to have you back. So I'm talking to you about (laughs) my sons afterwards, but I'm talking plan B for me coming back. But I want to close with this. What these days, here we are in 2023 summer, what makes you laugh? What makes you cry? What makes you sad? What gives you hope? Maybe give about twenty, thirty seconds to each one of those. What makes you laugh, TC? Right now,
1: uh, my family. I um, mean, it's it's whether it's my son or my daughter um, or my wife, all if not most, if not all, of my laughter comes from them. Whether it's you know funny jokes or something that they achieved or just it's it's or them actually just being silly and goofy, yeah. my joy and laughter comes from them.
0: Awesome. What makes you cry?
1: Uh. Same thing, except for it would be more so my extended family. I'm not always sure. And this is something I'm always investigating and trying to pay attention to. But I know some of my siblings um, live a a harder life Mm. because they're not as tight with the Lord as I would like them to be. Um, But I can tell you talked about people not wanting to be around and all of that. I don't have that problem with my siblings for the most part. We talk, they know where I stand or whatever. And it's a loving relationship. I still don't compromise or whatever, but they're on God's timetable. But wondering if they know him like they're supposed to know him is something that gets me also being that I lost my mother to COVID in 2020. I lost my grandmother to COVID in 2020. Never really knew my dad as well. And I just think families should just be better than, you know, than that. And, uh, it, it just connected and tight. and uh, so for me, uh, I'm not a big crier. I can't even remember the last time I cried, but um you can also if, if I was to drop tears, it would be for that, yeah, what makes you angry? Uh, people that make it hard for other people mm. to know who Jesus is. yeah that's what I was kind of getting at is, you know, I feel like uh because i I lived a hypocritical life at one point. And I was able to see firsthand that people, you say certain things and then they see you doing other things. And now they think negatively of Jesus because you claimed him so much and you said all these things. Um, And then you go and live a foul life, even knowingly or unknowingly, uh, it doesn't matter. It still has the same impact. And uh, so it's one thing, though, when someone is trying, but just getting it wrong versus people who know it and just don't care. They're sure. just very arrogantly saying, I can do whatever I want. And that is such a misunderstanding of God's grace. Amen. So when I see people who call themselves Christians, make it harder for others to accept Jesus or make it harder for, for me and other people who are truly following him to tell other people about Jesus. Uh, maybe like I heard it all before from this dude who called himself a, a, a preacher or teacher or whatever, and cheated on his wife every single day. So i don't want to hear what you got to say tc yeah. like those type of things make me angry
0: that sounds like that gandhi quote about uh he said i, I like your jesus i just don't like those christians type of thing so
1: yeah exactly exactly what yep. gives you a
0: lot of hope today where do you have hope great hope
1: uh that my hope is in god's sovereignty always knowing that nothing sneaks up on him mm-hmm. uh nothing surprises him um that he has a purpose for my life You know, Psalms 139.16 is one of my favorite scriptures, Is if not the favorite scripture, says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Mm -hmm. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And that excites me because, I mean, he's, you know, as an actor, I always think, you know, I read scripts all the time. So it's like God has written the script of my life. And uh, you can't change that script. You know, whoever you are, you can't change. So as a performer, I just got to just live out the pages, man. Just just do what he called, play my role. And to know that he wrote my life, that even kind of, that ordains everything, even my pain that is maybe written in there that I'm supposed to go through something or hurt. But I can deal with that because he wrote that for me as part of the script for me to hurt right there versus me creating my own pain through sin and bad decisions and not walking with him. You know, so everything makes sense. Even the stuff that don't make sense to me, I'm like, well, it's part of God's will because I know I'm walking with him. I can at least control that. Let me make sure I'm walking with him and whatever he's written, I can do it. I'm only weirded out when I'm not walking with him. Mm. So what gives me hope is his sovereignty, knowing that I can count on everything the Bible says to be true. And uh, he wrote the script to my life and uh, he controls whether I live, whether I die, just all these different things. So I just want to walk with him and and as close as I possibly can. Um, And it gives me hope knowing that... um, as long as I'm doing that, I'm all right. You know, I, there's no worries. And I, and I love that state of mind.
0: So I want to get into a lot of other things with you later. I know people can find you on tcstallings.life or all your yeah. social media handles at TC Stallings.
1: Yeah. At real TC Stallings, um, real TC Stallings on um, uh, Instagram, real TC Stallings on Facebook. And I know things have gotten a little weird with this verification. So uh, on Twitter, I was verified, but they removed it. So you got to be careful with that one. But I am TC Stallings there. Yeah, and be be careful because now on Twitter, anybody can can do it. Yeah. So <laughs> I've already had people impersonate me and wow. all that kind of stuff. So it's the only place I'm not verified. But you can give me there. My website is uh, tcstallings.life, as you mentioned. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, and uh, just keep 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 everything in prayer. Now I know this has been somewhat heavy. I don't mind. Um, you had some quick little rapid-fire funny questions or whatever, man. We're going to say those. those. I,
0: they're too good. I want to get into them. I'm trusting you're going to let me do this with you again. I just need to say okay. this. As a man, as a follower of Jesus, as a kingdom builder, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you because I stayed in the moment, and I'm just kind of yeah. scrolling the list a couple of times, but I'm just like, man, I just love talking to you as a man. Like, good, I, man. I don't want to shortchange you with what we could have talked about with your career, content. There's lots of that I still want to get into. But, man, as a man, I'm just like – I got about 20 guys I want to send your way for you to disciple them. And I can't wait when we get done here in just a second, I'm going to talk to you about a, a friend of mine that you need to know that as a former NFL player that he would love to talk to you and vice versa. So, TC, thanks for good, being a blessing. Man. Again, no compromise should be the movie. You are a First Corinthians 11-1 man. And it has been a treat and a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and
1: rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.